What's up, everybody? I'm Dr. Peter Bolden. And I'm Dr. Craig Spodek, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Simply the best podcast in dentistry designed to help you maximize your practice and your life through four pillars of success. Leadership, team culture, marketing, and financial freedom, and everything in between. Now, let's get to it. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Today is Pete and I, and we're talking about something that we talk a lot about internally, and it's our 30,000 view of corporate dentistry. Because at the 30,000 foot view, 30,000 foot view of corporate dentistry, because at the micro, we all can pick it apart in, in many different ways. But um, when we look at the entirety from the broad scope, from the macro, um, there's a lot to be said about what we think about corporate dentistry. And we can't just cut in very thin slices and pull out all the different things. And, that, and right now is a very interesting time for me. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because I am currently looking for a dentist to join the practice. And unlike other times where I'd put that information out to the public, I would get like three and four applicants right now, Peter, you know, how I've did got- you do that? By the way, hold on, slow down. Cause I want to, I'm very interested. Cause I get this, I get this question from people a lot. So where did you apply? Where did you post your job? So what I did first is I did a video. So okay. I already had a good piece of content. So my in-house videographer, Gabe, created like a 90-second video about what we're looking for. And I talked about the trifecta that we probably always talk about, um, where it's clinical and diagnostic skill, the ability for people to like you, which is just as important as your clinical and diagnostic skill. And third, your ability to lead a team. Because let's face it, Peter, if you have marvelous hands and amazing diagnostic skill and your team loves you and patients can't connect, you won't be successful. Right. Or if patients love you, the team loves you, and you can't diagnose or, or cut a crown, you're in trouble. So each right. one of those, um, trif- you need each side of that triangle, that trifecta, or else you're just not going to go far. So you, so, so you posted, you made a video. Made a video, and I put it on Indeed. How and much think, of it was you? Uh, so it was me talking because I just busted it out. But the B-roll, you know, the, I just wanted it short, but we had a lot of B-roll with other doctors talking about what they love and what they like about being here and stuff Was it like specific that. for doctors or were, were you looking to create just a, why you would work with us, kind of like a culture video kind of thing? Or was it specific to this need? It was specific to this need. Got so it was just it. like, if you have these qualities, if you love, you know, dentistry at a high level, I talked about like, this is the NBA. This is not a pickup game. We're here looking for people at their top of their lap, uh, careers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't even think it was the content, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't know if it's, it's like everything. We all look for the formulation. Well, why did you choose Indeed? Sorry, I'm just going to keep cutting you off. I'm going to be the, uh, why did yeah, you pick Indeed? Indeed was your main yeah, the only, so, only yeah. platform? Okay. No, yeah. I, I love it. I love it. I'm yeah. just, and, and how has the response been? So, so before I dive into that, because the response has been amazing, but it's like the typical question you or I will get is what is the one hack for this process. And, you know, when we look at, yeah, I made a video and I put it on Indeed. And that's all, that's, that's all well and good. But that probably represents 5% of the content that the average person looking for this job consumed. 95% of the content was our social media, our presence, our YouTube channel, our website, our reputation, blah, blah, blah. So you can't say, you know. Yeah, but your bait was way better. Yeah, that's, the that's that's why you had such a resounding response to people. Is that, I mean, an awesome a talent employees is because or, or uh, docs is because you spent the time to curate something very laser specific that was attractive. Right. So 
what what the net of it is is like typically when I've looked for people in the past, you know, sp- specifically a doctor, I've got you know I don't know five seven applications, um, and this time we had thirty five or thirty six as of today. We're still getting. Why it. do you think that is? I don't know, Pete. I'm open to your uh, I'm open to your commentary on it because I don't. Maybe it's COVID. Well, maybe it's, I was going to say where are they geographically coming from a certain area. Well, we got that too. So we got a lot of local people. Right. Um, and then we've got a lot of people like I'm leaving New York because we all yeah. know, um, uh, you know, New York, Chicago, even like a very close friend of mine is moving from San Diego. He's born and raised in San Diego. He loves San Diego. He's moving here. I know in the past you've been very dis, you've done this process before, obviously, as a growing practice looking for associates and you've been very disenchanted with the the acumen of the resume that you've been receiving. And this time you were like, I have so many amazing thoroughbreds wanting to work. It's, this is amazing. Yeah. This was like legit, like 10 are the best I've ever seen. And of those 10, five are like, I need to build or seven maybe are like, I need, I should be building another office to take all seven of these people in. Wow. Like literally like these are people that are going to succeed whether they're in my ecosystem or on their own or somewhere else, they're, they're, I mean, all factors being equal, they will find a way to succeed on, on seven of them, which is crazy for me. Yeah, that is, that is pretty uh, remarkable. And, and, um, and by the way, this does tie into the 30,000 foot view of corporate. In of a course. Very big way. I just, I just, I get this question a lot. So I wanted to pause you because I think it's going to be two podcasts in one. Cause you know, I think this goes for not just when you're looking for a dentist, Craig, I think it goes for when you're looking for, um, you know, treatment coordinator or a hygienist. I think the same level, it's not the, Hey, let's post an ad and see what we get. I, I think there's a direct relational, um, you know, your inputs are going to match your outputs, right? So if you're, if you're going to spend this time and really try to aggregate top talent and you're going to get top talent, but it's, it's, you know, it's like our lab, you know, it's the expression in dentistry, like shit in shit out when you, when you like, you have a shitty prep and you have a shitty crown. Yeah. Right. If, so it's the same thing. If you're prepping and making a video and you're creating this long, wonderful, like this is the A team of dentistry and you're creating this vision for people, even in the job application or even in the job posting, then I think it's, and then I think it, it speaks volumes for the, the talent you're going to get. Cause people are going to weed themselves out like, Oh shit. I'm kind of, you know, maybe yeah, I'm, I'm not that level. I'm That's a B player. I'm a B player. Maybe I'll apply next year kind of thing. Right. And, and so people will weed themselves out. So, all right. So go, go to where you're the, 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 the construct of, of what you wanted to start with the 30,000 foot view, because you and I have had private conversations about how the sophistication has been different of some of these um, applicants. Yeah. So, so one thing I'm just, it's, it's a very tangible thing that I'm, that I'm seeing here. And there is a pervasive idea that um, these new app, new graduates, uh, I'm, I'm going to go to the, just the new, the new people and other people that are newly minted. They're coming in at the interview process and granted there's some selection bias because they're interviewing with me and they didn't go right to, you know, Acme DSO or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But they're all saying the one thing, well, I don't want to be in corporate. You know, I don't want to be in corporate. I know that I want to find blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, why? Because I just want to ask and I'm, I'm seeing this recurring theme. Um, well, you know, I want a practice that really cares about the patient that's not going to put pressure on me to do X, Y, and Z and blah, 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 blah. And um, I hear them. And then I get to meet these people that have been out 
for a while. So I meet these doctors that have been out for five years or seven years, and they worked at like an average non-corporate practice, like maybe a, 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 a small solo practitioner with maybe one other doc, not great systems, not great, you know, just, just a regular run-of-the-mill average general practice. And I want to preface this by saying, you and I don't know many average dentists. And mm-hmm. what, so if you are listening right now, if you're a dentist and you, or you're thinking about becoming a dentist or you're a dental student and you're listening to this podcast, you are not average mm-hmm. because you are trying to get, you're trying to take in learning. You're driving home right now. You're, you're staying up late. You're, you're doing something, but you're taking an active role in bettering yourself. The average dentist doesn't do this. The average dentist, you'll meet the average dentist when you go to like your CPR course or your, the mand- mandatory HIV domestic violence course you have to do for dentistry. When you look around that auditorium, and again, maybe I'm dating myself because people do it all online, especially with COVID. But when you look around those clearing houses of, of dental education that you have to, that's when you see average dentists. And right. you don't see average, you know, so, so when I say that we just don't know average dentists and that, and that's, that's a, an important thing to say. The people we meet at the summit, the people that buy our book, the people you meet at your Koi seminar, the Bulletproof summit, you're not, those are not average people. Those are type so, A overachievers. If you're listening to this, don't be offended because you're not. Okay. Yeah, you're not. You're not average. Good. So don't Good. be offended. You're not average. So, but I, but I fully subscribe, especially through this process that the average dental practice the average dentist in the average dental practice is not as good as the average dentist in the average corporate practice. And why do I say that? If the average dentist doesn't Whoa. maintain their start. You need to unpack that one. Oh, yeah. It, okay, keep going. Yeah, I'll say it again. The average dentist is not as good as the average dentist. Good in what practice. context? Okay, good question. So good, I mean, um, so I'm going to look at all systems, bulletproof systems marketing, vision, execution, strategy, numbers, the package. So, so non-clinical, everything non-clinical. No, every, well, listen, you can be a solo dentist practicing in your little 1,000 square foot shopping center with two chairs and a receptionist that's been there for 30 years and not check your sterilizer and take in final impressions with alginate and send it to a lab out in China. And no one is going to look at your shit. And you can practice totally aberrantly like literally wiping off your hand pieces between patients and not sterilizing them. That shit goes down in the average practice. It does. What? No one, yeah. Oh God, I hear that all the time. No I, I was working with Midmark on something and I was talking to Midmark tech and they told me about like how they go into offices with their, and they, the M11, you know, how the, uh, you have to change mm-hmm. the water in your autoclave. He's yeah. been in practices that are like, well, what water? What are you talking about? They're like, well, there's water in there. Your autoclave needs to have get drained. Like, oh, how? And they take the pipe out and fucking black sludge runs out. So that's a micro of a major example insofar as a corporate office of any magnitude or scale, 100, 150 locations, has a major problem because there's so many people looking if their uh-huh. systems and protocols are violated. So we're getting a little tangential on it because what I want to say is that when I talk to the average dentist now, they don't want to go into uh, DSO, but when I talk to the people who have been out for three and five years, if I ask a person who might be in a, just a smaller single practice, what is your production? They have no idea. Do you do morning huddles? And again, this is a very thin slice of the population, mm-hmm. but there was enough of a statistical variance. It made me sit up and say, shit, I got to talk to Pete about this on a podcast. 
because all the ones that worked at the DSL, I'm not talking about the rinky dink duct tape DSL. I'm talking about like the big boys, you know, you know who I'm talking about. We don't have to mention names, but the guys that are polished that have a hundred locations and more, um, they know their numbers. They know their culture. They understand their percentages. They know that morning huddles are important. And funny enough, they actually call their patients at the end of each procedure. Really? I was talking to a guy who works for a, a DSO in the mid-Atlantic region. And he's like, yeah, the owner doc is still there. You know, even though he started 100 practices, he's an amazing person. I learned so much from him. And he taught the way he talked to the patients. And I was like, whoa. And then I met all these other docs that are like, yeah, I have no idea what I produce. No idea. They say, I think a good month's like maybe 40, maybe 60. Maybe say, I don't really know. Honestly, I don't know. You do morning huddles. What do you mean by huddle? What do you mean by that? Wow. Yeah, man. I was like, whoa. So it's like, it's getting to the point whether or not we're there yet right now or we'll be there. I know we constantly, everybody's telling us the era of the solo practice is over and DSOs are going to take over the world. And we've heard that forever, like literally for 20 years. And we're dismissive of it. But I actually fully believe, and I don't think this is a bad thing. I think that DSOs are coming to take over the dental industry, at least consolidate most of it, not just 20% or 25%, but most of it. And it be a good thing for dentistry. I really do. I really do. Because you think there's been, there's been evolution there in that space? Because it has been, you know, we did a, we did a, it's been a negative connotation in the industry. And I don't know if that's been predicated because of fear, right? Because everyone just like, oh, let's just say bad shit about them because we're worried about the, uh, this quote unquote corporate takeover. Or the bad actors. There's bad actors. Or bad actors. All right. All right. We hope everyone is getting massive value from listening to this podcast. If you are, we're going to ask a couple things in return. First, review us on iTunes. If you don't know how to do that, the easiest way is to pick up your phone, open the podcast app, click on the album art, and then scroll all the way through the episodes and you'll see review at the bottom. Go ahead and bang out the stars that we deserve. Second thing, if you haven't signed up for our text uh, list to get notified of special offers or the next summit or whatever it may be, uh, make sure to text the words bulletproof to 33777. That's 33777 and the word is bulletproof. Third thing is we've got the book, as most of you all know, but we've also got the audible version that Dr. Spodak spent three days in studio and it was an arduous task and he crushed it. He really should be an an audible book episode. That's it, everyone. Hope you're having a great day and we'll see you soon. So we all know the Acme DSO is telling, you know, people you have to do X number of things per, you know, crowns or whatever, but let's face it, you know, you and I have had associates. I've had an associate that came in and she's, she wasn't producing what the hygienist produces. Right. So it's not that, um, it's not that she's not diagnosing or she's, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the least amount of dentistry is all a patient needs to get them happy. Mm-hmm. So I'm not the guy that wants any of my docs or including me to, to recommend something a patient doesn't need. But one of the metrics we don't look at is not your diagnosis, but your patient acceptance. So if you just do not have the personality skill set or rapport to have a patient say, yes, I'm joining you on this quest to make my mouth healthy, you're going to fail in any business. And how long can a, uh, an office afford to have a failing associate? At a certain point, you got to fish or cut bait. So the fact of the matter is that, yes, the DSO might be saying, hey, statistically speaking, you should be here. There is a statistical average that a doctor should be doing. 
you know, you're seeing, you know, 20 new patients and you're seeing five and 10 periodic mm-hmm. exams, no one has any work to do, nothing. Right. That cracked tooth is not needing to be addressed. And they may be diagnosing it, but they don't have those people skills to get it done. So I, I, um, I never have to have production. And there's so many reasons for that. It's, maybe it's not just the people skills, right? Like sometimes it's just level of, you know, if you're only holding a screwdriver, everything's a screw. If you don't see a screw, there's nothing to do, right? It, maybe it's a, 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 a skill set level, right? Maybe it's fear of someone saying no. They have the people. So, so yeah, it's mindset. a lot of, it's all, it's a lot of things. That, but I agree with you. I think there's, you know, if you take, there, there is statistical data that says if you have 100 new patients or 20 new patients, you should probably be doing this based on the incredible data sets that we have, right, from the dawn of time in, in dentistry. So I, I used to be really proud, Peter, because, you know, I have the one big box with multiple doctors, so I know what should happen in a practice like this. So mm-hmm. you can't say, oh, it's because I'm in Delray or, oh, no, because you're at Roswell, you know, like you can't blame it on an outside factor of like where your office is because I know what a doctor should do. So I always used to pride myself on telling a doctor, doctors that were joining the practice, I will not care what you produce. You know, like I would never have to have a production conversation with you because mm-hmm. I never met a doctor or hired a doctor that couldn't produce. So it never uh, came up. Uh, I had to eat my words once. So I'm like, I'm not going to be the guy that doesn't really care if, you know, you know, cause I, I had only hired thoroughbreds and met thoroughbreds. And I, then I, there was this one associate I brought on and I'm, I have a very democratic process when I bring people onto the practice. I want everybody to meet him. And one of my really key doctors has been with me for 12 years, really liked this girl that worked with us. I really like her. I really like her. I'm like, you know, my, my gut tells me I like her too, but she's not the type of connector person that people are going to wind up saying, yeah, I want that person to do my dental work. That was what my gut said. I'm like, but I've made all these decisions. I mean, she really feels strong about her. So I brought this doctor on and literally she would have been better off being a hygienist in my practice. And I gave it a full year. Wow. That's painful. Like, so painful. you got tired of, and let me guess, I bet you had like a pretty strong daily minimum in there per diem. Well, no, I never did at that point. Oh, okay. Good. No, at that point I never did. No, I, yeah. I, I actually had my same guarantees that I always had, but I had never had anybody that didn't go off guarantee. Like we always talk about this, Peter, right. like with the contract, it's like, you know, Hey, if you're, if you're happy making five or 600 bucks a, a, a day, then we all have a big problem. Right. So I've never had to put this ends in 90 days, you know, until I met this one doctor. Yeah, it's always a red flag for me too. When, when someone pushes for more than 90 days, I'm always like, Heek, this is, yeah, a, this is a, this is like, a, and you play poker. This is a tell. This is a tell, yeah. you know, for me, I'd be like, I don't even need it from day one. Right. You just want to hustle your face off. And like, you right. know, that's what you don't care about minimum. So whenever I have that sweaty back conversation with yeah. daily minimums, like, no, zero chance it's going beyond 90 days. And, yeah, and because like you said, if the patient flow is there, Mm-hmm. And you know what you're doing. That's all you need. I mean, and let's face it, if there's no patient flow, then it's a problem for everybody involved. So you're saying, so I, I guess it, in conclusion of this, you're just saying that, that there's a different level of applicant going back to what we were talking yeah. about. There's and a the funny level. thing is, is I'm almost like a recruiter for DSOs at this point, because I'm telling these people that are out now, I'm like, listen, you seem really great. You haven't, you don't have much experience. You're not ready for a, a career, you know, this move for you to my practice, mm-hmm. but I want to stay in touch with you. And by the way, are you open to getting some advice? I'm like, yeah, I'd love some advice. Don't, don't, carte blanche say DSOs are not going to be good for you hmm. because it, it is a structured 
environment. And again, I can't speak for all, they're not all created equal, but there are ones out there that will train you and, mm -hmm. and curate your process and you'll have regional support from regional people. You won't have just one guy that's like, oh, don't worry about it. what they teach you in dental schools about the autoclave and the sterile, sterile that's a bunch of crap. This is how we do it. We take alginates, <laughs> with, you know, we take final impressions with alginates here because that's what's kind of out there, you know, and there's sport, some, that spore testing is fake news. Don't worry yeah, about that stuff. Yeah. Spore. Like when's the last time a headline came out of spore killed someone? Come on. Come on, man. Come on, man. You know the deal. So, uh, yeah, so that, I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to say that I And think they're being that, trained to know that things that run, I think we're, we're getting to it finally, is that- they're, they're Oh, we're getting to, know, to it finally. I heard <laughs> that. Getting, I heard we're that. getting to like, there's a, there's, there's a reason for the systems, right? It's not just because it's, it, it's, the, it's the army of dentistry, so to speak, right? It's yeah. because it, there's a reason. Yes. That, and yes. when you measure things and when you have systems and, and standard operating procedures, it, it translates to better functioning operational right. revenues. But there are certain doctors out there that function operationally at a high level and don't need the military um, standard operating procedures. So for those that- They succeed taste, despite themselves. Yeah, it's, distaste, it's distasteful for you to tell a doctor who does what's right for the patient and who gets patients to say yes, that they have to do a certain minimum. It would be upsetting. If you told me mm -hmm. that, I would be offended. I'd be like, no, I'm going to do what's right for the patient. But doing what's right for the patient means I will actually get to the minimum. If you do what's right for people and you communicate in a good way, you're not only helping the patient, but you're making more money. Right, but you're comparing to, to you're comparing DSO applicants to people who've been wanting or seeking private practice is where I'm going. And so there's right. a, you're seeing a different caliber is my whole point. Yeah, true or false? I'm seeing it true. That's a okay. truism. It's a truism, good. Like and it's just get... amazing to me because um, it's so such a weird thing to have a, a profession, industry that unanimously says the DSO is not good. And then for me to start, I'm seeing this. I one thing I so I you're think, hopeful too, right? Because for, I am for a while you were it was a sign of like oh shit, you know. I mean, so now you're hopeful because you're seeing good quality people that care about patients that have a good head on their shoulders or knowing their numbers or knowing their systems, you know, there's more, um, how do I try to say it? There's just more uh, of a macro view of what these applicants know kind of thing. Well, right? also look, if a DSO purports to do what they say they're going to do, they're a dental support organization. We can have a whole other podcast about what they're really doing. But if they allow dentists to do dentistry and provide all the back and support for that, including mentorship and training, that is awesome because I think one of the reasons why the DSO hasn't taken over more of dentistry and the, con the contraction of the timeline has not increased is because dentists won't go bankrupt. They won't go out of business. Right. I mean, I'm sorry, they, they won't thrive. They won't actually create a business. But there's but a low won't... default rate in going out of business. Right, Absolutely. right, yeah. right. Yeah. So it would be, you know, you, you start picking apart some, pe some people's practices and you're like, look, you actually make, if I take all your expenses and everything, you actually make 18% of your collections as net. So if you worked for a DSO, you probably, you could almost double that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you really start to pick apart their P&L, because most of the doctors we, we talk to, they don't really readily know their numbers. So, you know, it's funny you say this, actually, now I'm thinking it because I don't have the same context of like the experience you just had, but I have had a lot from, from analyzing acquisitions right? From yeah. just from private. So it's the same kind of, we're saying the same thing. 
but it is it is stunning to me because usually when you're putting something on the market, it's the it's the it's the best shot. You you polish the car, right? You clean the wheels, oh, yeah. everything looks good to go. It's the best. And you would be stunned the level of shit show there is going on. Right? Oh yeah. It's it's stunning um on a whole lot of levels. So I so that's an extrapolation of kind of what you said, but it's uh but that's my example of like you know of what's going on. So I guess the takeaway is if you're listing this and you're a private practitioner, like there is a method for the madness. There is a reason that, you know, that corporations are demanding people to call their patients in the evening and know their numbers and r- really be present in the morning meetings. And, and here's the structure. And, and, you know, it's like I said, the standard operating procedure, it's not just because we want to have, you know, something regimented, but, but there's a reason for it. And, 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 one more parallel to Pete. I know you're trying to wrap, but I got more to say on it. Um, <laughs> you just might have to edit this part out, but like they just opened up a Chick-fil-A down the street for me, which is my not pleasure. good for, yeah, not good for my, um, not good for my waistline nor my people were eating it a lot, but like Chick-fil-A is a brilliant organization. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Like imagine if the U S government had tasked the COVID testing to Chick-fil-A. You know, they are five and six cars and eight cars deep into the drive-through lines. There's three wide. Three wide. I mean, the way everybody, everything runs, my pleasure, absolutely. The customer service, the pride of the people working there. Mm. People have pride working there. And they're selling something that is not arguably very, very bad for you. They're selling you fried chicken and French fries, which will actually is the antithesis of what us as dentists do. Everything we sell is making people healthier. Everything they sell is making people unhealthy. But the level of pride that they have there, people at my pleasure. Yes, of course. Thank you. So it's like if Chick-fil-A can do that with chicken, fried chicken and French fries and milkshakes and all that other crap, that's not good for you. There's going to be a company that can do that for dentistry. Maybe it's already existing. Maybe it's that DSO mm-hmm. is already out there. Mm-hmm. But they can, because if you can make something noble out of an, not a noble endeavor, you can make something extremely noble out of a noble endeavor, you know? And I, I don't think it's an if, it's a when someone's going to rise to the top. And, you know, like, look, we talked about this too, and we talked about it in the book, the Ritz Carlton does not own the hotel. The hotelier has a contract for the Ritz Carlton to manage their hotel. Mm-hmm. So when the Ritz Carlton of the DSO world comes around, it would be a hard argument to say that you could not afford or you, you wouldn't see the value in that, in my opinion. And for those of you who are just sitting there listening to this and say bullshit or shaking your head, you just haven't seen, I don't think you've seen the full picture on that. Cause I, I believe that I really believe that. Mm-hmm. So there was a time when you're like, Hey, we should mention on the podcast that I'm looking for someone, but I guess you're probably inundated right now. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm inundated, but you know, like I love having a lot of talent. Um, there's obviously of those 30 some odd, there's ones that are, um, right off the bat, not people I can call because they don't have us licenses and you know, that all that stuff. But yeah, I mean the right person, I believe that. And that's another thing I think we should always be looking. Totally. I'm not saying to that. Say, I was about to say, like, I'm, I'm actually, if you, if you feel like you fit the bill and you, and you live or want to be with Greg or my practice, like reach out to us. Additionally, sure. additionally, we have a big network. I actually want to say this because I think this can help. It's not, I don't want to play the job boards per week, but, but we have played matchmaker with a lot of people that say, Hey, oh, I'm moving time. here. And then we know someone who's looking here. So if you, so if, you know, get on the, uh, the Bulletproof dental practice website, and uh, just do the contact us page and say, Hey, you know, I'm looking for a new opportunity and this is the city I want to go to. And lots of times we have colleagues or friends that are kind of 
you know, playing matchmaker. So, yeah, I um, literally know someone in every, um, just about like 10 different cities right now that's looking for somebody. And I would only, those are people I know really well. So Right. All right. Well, you know, I don't know what would be inspired by what you said or it makes me think. It makes me, it definitely makes me take pause because you hate to hear that the cottage industry, when we say is, uh, is not as strong as what you once thought, once thought in comparison. Well, I mean, if, our, if the industry is to take great care of patients and there's, there's management organizations that are coming along that allow dentists to not have to think about anything but taking great care of patients, the industry will be strong. That's do, you, do you feel like dermatology is less now? I mean, dermatology, yeah, isn't, that, isn't that rolled up pretty, pretty tight? I mean, yeah. how much of dermatology has been consolidated? 78%, maybe three or four times what dentistry has? I don't know. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I've never, I've never sat around the table banging my fist being like, damn it, dermatology is not what it used to be. Because <laughs> I'll tell you what, I go to certain doctor's offices and I'm like, holy shit, yeah. could they treat me any worse? It's no respect for their time. And I, I don't want to publicly apologize because I was 10 minutes late to this podcast. So Peter, I owe you an apology for not Thank respecting you. your time today. Thank it won't you. happen again. Thank I said it publicly. Don't, don't disrespect me, Greg. Don't respect my authority. But it's true. Like, you know, I think most medical practices are very poorly run, um, unfortunately. So who knows? The future is going to be interesting. I'm excited about it, actually. I'm not fearful of it. You know, that's a great opportunity just to, you know, if you're hearing this too, is audit, audit everything and, and go visit a medical practice, go visit a shitty practice and be like, God, here are the things. Sometimes it's not I could identify things you don't want to do or don't want to treat people as it is to saying like, here's the things we want to do. Because I have been to a medical office recently and I was like, I mean, actually it was, it was pre-COVID. So I can't use that as the excuse, but it's, it's horrible. And you recognize like, wow, these are the things I don't want to do. I don't want to have clipboards. I don't want to have sliding glass mirrors. I don't want to hand them something. You know, I don't want to make them wait an hour after they showed up promptly at their appointment time. You know, I don't want to make a lot of paperwork that they couldn't have done at home. Um, all these things, right? Well, it's so, directly from government interference too. The government's getting very involved with medical practice. Right. And we know the government handles your local DMV. How, how great is that experience for y'all? Yeah. No you one's know? ever fired up to go to the DMV. Yeah. My pleasure. My pleasure. Would you like to, would you like to add an organ donor to that today? My pleasure. Right. My pleasure to your license. <laughs> Have an awesome day. Thank you for shopping at the DMV. Yeah. All right, Craig. Good stuff, man. All right. Thanks buddy. for listening. Over and out.